स्थापकाय धर्मस्वरूपिणे अवतार वरिष्ठाय रामकृष्णाय ते नम वसुदेवसुत कंसचानूरमर्दनम देवकी परमानंदम कृष्णम वंदे जगदुरुम in the last class we were studying the 39th sloka of the second chapter of bhagavad gita where we find that bhagwan sri krishna is introducing the two paths which was prevailing in those days now in bhagavad gita is a scripture of synthesis as we proceed through the various chapters of bhagavad gita we will find that the most significant and wonderful work in the spiritual uh, domain which sri krishna has done is the synthesis of all those parts in such a way that by synthesizing them we can and adopting them in our life we can accelerate our spiritual journey and we need not be one sided as sri ramakrishna used to give a very nice example that the human body is like a flute the flute has many holes you have to use your fingers over those holes to bring out the music now if someone presses all the holes and keep only one hole open and goes on blowing on the flute what will come out is just a noise it won't be a music you have to learn the art of using all the holes with your fingers and then only you can play music on the flute so what he is indicating the human body is like that flute there are various faculties we do have emotions we have intelligence we can concentrate we can focus we of course we can do actions and that also with ingenuity with our intelligence with all our practical faculties so so many faculties we have but if we become one sided i say no just i will sit down and discriminate that what is real and what is unreal and i will get established in my real nature i have nothing to do with the external world so that speaks of one sidedness and it will result only in noise it won't be a music you may say is there any proof of it yes the indian history of 1000 years is a proof of it we will find that in the vedic ages there was a wonderful synthesis as per the purusharthas are concerned abhyudaya and nistrayasa abhyudaya means of speaks of social upliftment nistrayasa speaks of your own spiritual regeneration they were both going hand in hand and that's why we find that all the scope for all development of all the faculties were there so that's why we excelled in all the fields as an indian they excelled in all the fields now we find the stress is on using the name bharata now it's very interesting the word bharata if you go to the etymological meaning of the word bharata it actually doesn't mean a particular geographical place it's any society which is a knowledge society is bharata the word bharata means bha means effulgence bha means effulgence knowledge speaks of effulgence rata means endeavor the one the thing in which you are engaged is rata so the society which is engaged in the pursuit of knowledge it may start with aparavidya with the lower knowledge as in the mundaka upanishad we are studying with all the 
fields of our activities. But at the same time, it also gives a scope for the Paravidya, where I can dive within in search of my real nature. It's a question of evolution, where as I evolve, instead of suppressing, I give a free uh, movement, a free adventure to all those faculties. And what we find is the growth of the personality as a full-fledged personality. And that can accelerate the process of our spiritual evolution. For that, again, we will take the example of Sri Ramakrishna. He used to say in the olden days, in the olden days, how it accelerates the process when I'm using all the faculty. It not only make me, it not only helps me to get rid of one-sidedness, it does not only makes me uh, to get rid of all the biases, it also accelerates the process. You may say, well and good, I am biased, but I am, I agree I am biased, but what it has to do with my spiritual growth? You may censor me as a biased person, but I am busy with my spiritual growth. But again, we can say that if you go to get rid of the bias and the music comes out from your life, when you're using all the faculties that accelerate the process of your spiritual journey. Sri Ramakrishna used to give a wonderful example. In the olden days in the village, when the goldsmith is smelting the gold. So there was no modern technology. So what he used to do for smelting the gold, he needs a very high temperature. But just the ordinary fire cannot yield that high temperature, cannot give that high temperature. So what he used to do, he used to have a long pipe on which, through which he used to blow that fire. Not only that, in hand, he will hand some bellows, some fans. With that, he's fanning. That also was not sufficient. In his leg, there were some paddles. And that paddles was again fixed to some big fans, bellows. So he was paddling. So he's using his mouth, his hand, his feet, everything. And then he gets that optimum temperature to smell the gold. So all the faculties is being used. And then you find that you're getting that optimum temperature to smell the gold. So when God has given us so many faculties, why not use them? Why we one-sided? That will help us to have, the, the, to have a development of our personality, a full-fledged personality. And at the same time, it is going to accelerate the process in our spiritual journey. So with this idea, let us just enter into the discussion again. This, the 39th sloka, which we studied was Tesha, Esha Te Abhita Sankhye, Buddhir Yoge Tvimang Srinu, Buddhya Yukto Yaya Partha Karma Bandham Prahasyasi, Esha Te Abhita Sankhye. As an introduction, we find Bhagavan just opened up the portal of the awareness of the self. That he was, the Arjuna was uh, just thinking just from the worldly perspective that they are my relatives. How can I fight against them? After all, he's all going to result in destruction. And that was not opening, that, uh, that was not uh, able to give him the answer to the problems of life. He was a bit confused. He never knew what was to be done and what not to be done. And that's why we find he's taking refuge in Krishna. And Krishna, at the very first, what he did, he opened up a new portal. There is something called self. From that awareness, from that sense, what's from the, that perspective, when you look at the thing, you will find everything is justified. We were studying that. And that's the thing, not only in the battlefield, in every field of life, we should know that unless we can relate to the spiritual dimension of existence, know it for certain, most of the questions of the life will remain unresolved. I cannot find any answer unless you relate to that spiritual dimension. That example which we give again and again, that a teacher asked the students in the classroom to draw exactly four triangles by joining four points. You can try, it is impossible. So you will find that two lines will intersect to create the fifth point and not only that, you cannot in any way draw exactly four triangles by joining four points.
So the students couldn't answer. They tried their best. At last, the teacher spotted three dots in the blackboard and asked the student to imagine the fourth point in the space, not in the blackboard. Now you join the three points, you get one triangle. And from each of those points, imagine a line joining the point in the space. You will get a triangular pyramid with exactly four triangular surfaces. So why the student couldn't answer? Because they were searching the answer in the plane of the paper, in the two dimension of the paper. They never thought that the third dimension has to be taken into consideration. So in our life, with all our sensed perzits, when we think that all the answers of life has to be resolved from this plane, this sensed plane of existence, know it for certain, in short time you will find that we have reached the blind alley from where you cannot proceed. Nature gives us everything and takes us again everything from us at certain term, time. When I'm young, when I'm aspiring a youth, I'm just aspiring for my education, for my profession. Everything seems to be so uh, that uh, optimistic, as if with my, with my strength, with my endeavor, with my capacity, I can do anything. And then as we start growing old, apart from the complications of life, the thing which none of us can avoid with old age, the concept called retirement has to be there because I know what nature gave me is not taking away from me. Gradually, he's taking away. Nothing is going to stay. All the things which I thought is going to be with me permanently is all going slowly. And now I find totally unplugged that what's the life after all meant for? So here comes that big question that what's that all our journey at last ends in the age of a precipice. One step forward, you just simply fall. So what's the solution then? Not to move forwards, but to look up. And there you find that there's another dimension of your existence is opening up the spiritual dimension. From that, you find that you as such have no beginning, no end. You were, this was just a journey. This was not your final goal. This was just a journey. For what? For educating yourself. Somehow the ignorance has dawned in about your real nature to get rid of that ignorance and again get established in your real self. That's why Swami Vivekananda used to say, we are all co-travelers. It's a joyous journey where we are all co-travelers. Ultimately today or tomorrow, we are bound to reach that goal. We are again to get established in our real nature. So this is the thing keeping in mind that there are two yogas which is speaking of Sankhya. Sankhya is that this opening up of the spiritual portal to find out the answers of life. And the immediate reaction is I have to retreat from life. What is that? It's useless. It established in the self. Then again, Krishna's uh, insistence to take part in the war. That has no meaning. So that's why now he's opening up another yoga, buddhi yoga. Yes, uh, intellectually when we try to understand that if I am the self, if this life has no meaning, it is a flow, why to get attached to it, be detached and get established in yourself and renounce all those activities. That's the immediate superficial way of understanding. But there's another yoga, buddhi yoga, which now he will introduce. The karma yoga, which is not negation of life, which is the acceptance of life. It is not running away from life. It is transcending life. I am a part of it, but like a lotus leaf is in water, but the water cannot drench it. So that's the idea which will be spoken of by Bhagavad Gita, by Bhagavan. Uh, through this idea of buddhi yoga. So in short, that what are these two paths, Sankhya and buddhi yoga? 
both speaks of chitta shuddhi both speaks of purification of the mind sankhya is the path of contemplation that does not justify action that was there prevailing in those societies it was divided that most of the people believed in action through action through yagyas i get something if you got frustrated with that and they left the hearth and home they were they went into the deep forest to lead a life of contemplation so these were the two poles so the sankhya speaks of that opposite pole which doesn't justify any action buddhi yoga yoga is the path of action that do justify action what is that the till chitta shuddhi you go on with your action with your work whatever responsibility you have without the desire how it will help that as in the last class we were giving the example that just to stop my action and to get established in myself is very difficult if we try we will find out that it is almost impossible for most of us then what's the way out we all have something called karma vega all the past actions throughout lives which we were doing they have created an impulse of action i cannot suddenly stop them just the way when the fan is revolving you cannot simply think of holding its blade and stopping it that will injure you that's what happens when we try to forcefully detach ourselves from all our actions or instincts are so strong that creates a tremendous turmoil in our psyche and that can derange us then what's the way out then the way out is just the way we really off the fan it's not by holding the blades what we do we just switch it off so switch off the desire let the action go on that the constant hankering for results let that be trick we let us take care of that let us try to be uh, detached from the desires that as we were mentioning that seek not avoid not let that be the motto of our life as swami vivekananda used to say renunciation does not mean just to stop seeking we should even not do not avoid because most of the time when we avoid we think i am renouncing actually we are resorting to our security zone we are resorting to our comfort zone it's not avoiding it's actually seeking the comfort zone it is seeking the security zone so don't avoid then how that what should be my attitude that yes the lord has placed me in this life it is not that i who will as per as per my will i am at particular stage of my life if you see your life from a unbiased perspective the place where you were born the family in which you were born the way you have grown up the things which have actually at present take you to the workplace at particular job is that all those things you have decided you will find that it's all a in the course of your life it is happening so there is a much higher power than my individual life which is guiding my life it is taking me so i neither seek nor avoid it's because by seeking i never got anything i wanted to be something i became something that's what happens with most of us so neither seek just what at what stage of life the lord has kept you i have full control over that present what has happened i have no control i cannot change it what has been done has been done so let the dead bury the dead forget about the past forget about future not in the way of you should we should all have a plan that what the future should be but stop worrying about the future because my worrying is not going to change my future just by simply sitting and worrying about my future is in no way helping me to proceed in life because they say very nicely worrying is like a rocking chair you do something but you go nowhere in the same place you are just rocking worrying is like a rocking chair it helps us in no way so what i can do i have no control over the past no control over the future but i have control over the present this moment how i will use this moment how to, fruitfully i can use it that is in my control if i 
I'm a student, whether to focus on my studies in this present world is in my control. If I'm a professional, the work which I am entitled to do, whether I'm doing with full concentration, full focus, applying all my skills with full perfection, that is in my control. So let the action be performance oriented, not result oriented. Because however you may think of the result, there are so many factors apart from your own effort, which is the collective uh, aspects are there in we, over which you have no hand. So I don't know what's the result going to be. So what's the use in bothering about it? Seek not, avoid not, be performance-based, not result-based, and jan sadhan tansiddhivar, whatever I am doing, at that moment, I should forget about all the goals of life. God realization, getting promotion in my job, let me forget. Just to do this work perfectly is my only goal. That's my jan sadhana, whatever you're doing, sadhana, tan siddhi. That speaks of the perfection there only. Just to do it perfectly, let that become the goal. And when if you find that the expectation is lurking in your mind, again and again, consciously offer the result to the divine. Oh Lord, you have kept me in this position. You have given me certain faculties that to deal with this situation. You have kept me in a situation and you have given me some faculties to deal with the situation. I do it to the best of my capability and there it ends. What's the result? Again, it's in your hand. So this speaks of the Karma Yoga. By this, what I has happening, I have removed the desire. So the nature, now the question that if you switch off the fan, the fan may not stop immediately. But the force behind it has been detached. So what will happen? In due course, the fan will stop. So many by studying Bhagavad Gita think that Karma Yoga is meant for Chitta Shuddhi, but ultimate goal is Sankhya. That once through Chitta Shuddhi, my actions has fallen off. Now I have to re retire and just meditate on myself. The actions fall off because now it is not going to derange me. But again, in the Bhagavad Gita, as we proceed, we will find that renouncing, renouncing of action has never been prescribed. When you get detached, then though your body mind is doing action, but something within you is constantly aware of the fact that it is not me. As a part of the nature, the body mind is going on with its action. I am just the witness. So in spite of the fact the action is going on, you are actually not acting. That is the real idea of this becoming, uh, going beyond transcending action. It's not really stopping of the action. The action can, can go on as per the plan of the divine, but I can develop that sense. It is not me who I'm working. To give an example, Swami Ramakrishnananda, one of the direct disciples of Ramakrishna, he is the Swami who established all the centers, most of the centers in South India. He was a very active person did a lot of work. And when someone used to ask him that how is it possible for a person to do so much of work? And his reply was, does the pain ever say I have written so many books? The one who is holding the pen, he's writing. So don't ask me, I'm just the pain. There is someone who is holding me. So that's the idea with which what happens when you get established in it. First you were you were trying. When I find that behind all my actions, the selfishness is there. The self-interest is working. I am trying to transmute it to the divine. So that is the endeavor that speaks of Aro Ruksha. When I have accomplished that, when I find that there is as such no expectation behind whatever I do, that doesn't entail that action should stop. Now you are Yoga Rura. The action can go on. As Swami Vivekananda used to say, I am a voice without form. That's so much of this wonderful lectures he has given when he was in the West. It was some uh, a new revolution started that with the Hinduism was introduced in the West. 
but he himself was convinced of the fact it is not he who is giving that delivering that message he is a voice without form it is the lord who is talking through him it is not that form the form of vivekananda that is delivering the lecture so this again speaks of that yoga rura you have transcended the the actions goes on the divine is working through you it is not you who are working so with this this is the idea which we have to keep in mind if we have to make a sense of the entire bhagavad gita we need not just take up one chapter and just decide on it as we proceed we will find that this idea of the divine worker has been established in the bhagavad gita as we proceed you use all your faculties but know it for certain it is the lord who has kept you in certain position and situation of life and you use all your faculties to do the thing which you are doing and don't hanker after the result at last lord knows what is going to be and uh, what is going to happen so this is the basic idea by which by which our life should be guided and that also especially in this age in this age sri ramakrishna used to say kali yuge annagata pran in bengali that in kali yuga in this age iron age annagata pran means our life is totally as if dependent on food means sometimes many people will be interpreting that previously the people had the tremendous capacity to of austerity for days together they will fast and be meditating but i cannot do that uh i have to take care of my physical necessities but actually yeah they, though it makes a sense maybe yeah uh, that in the olden days it spoke of austerity we cannot do that much of austerity nowadays that's once but that's not the real intention the real intention is different you will find a very big paradox in our civilization what is the paradox just see our pre, pre uh, our ancestors when they were uh, this food gatherers they used to go to the forest to gather then they knew no agriculture the roots herbs hunting by that they used to sustain themselves so every day they have to be engaged now in the in a particular point of our civilization we started agriculture we learned to cultivate now this brought laser at a particular part of the year we do we, we cultivate the land we get sufficient yield that we can store and with that the rest of the year we can not have to go out to the forest we can sit in one place and enjoy the fruit of our labor but with that another problem came when every day you have to constantly have to think of your food and shelter you cannot think of any higher purpose of life as sri ramakrishna used to say khali pete dharma hai na when you are hungry you cannot think of religion so that was the condition in of my ancestors in the olden days but when the laser came then the pursuit for the higher faculties came and along with that the culture came that yes uh, the one who does agriculture he has sufficient yield to feed the entire society but he won't give it for free that for the in the rest of the time i am free to keep me engaged there are the one who are the authors writing books some are singing that the katha katha this all the singing of the epics and all various musical instruments and along with that the thought of what's the purpose of life all this came along with the laser the laser brought the culture and now as a human being we were constantly in search of more and more laser the entire material world progress is nothing but the search for more and more laser just think of your household what not you have to save your time you have the dishwasher you have the refrigerator and you do not have to go to the shop every day market every day you buy one day keep it in the refrigerator your time is saved but is really your time saved with all these gadgets at last find we find that's the paradox we are so busy 
not a single moment our entire progress in the civilization from that food gathering to the present day was to get leather but just see now do we have leather we even cannot think even some few decades back there was a thing called that my i my this 8 hours job i go for my work i come back from my work now i am free now even if you say i don't want much money but i want to keep my time fixed with that 8 hours job you will find the system is such they will say either you work for whatever is needed or you simply don't work you be unemployed you cannot even with your all with your all good intentions can limit your work though you may say i don't want money i want less money i will give me less work it's not possible you find the present civilization has taken us to a situation where you have to be busy throughout the day why after all now you find that you don't have time for leisure just to sustain yourself at last sri ramakrishna swami vivekananda used to say that this is the age of the shudras you may be a very highly educated person the professor i may be uh, the a politician uh, being the prime minister but ultimately we are all shudras this is a shudra why just to sustain myself to get my food i have to keep myself 24 hours busy that's the thing from the prime minister to anyone uh, down to the earth anyone who is doing uber service or whatever it may be constantly is busy he cannot keep himself free just see the paradox of the civilization and in this situation if i if you say i won't work even a swami says i won't work i will simply meditate first of all how will you sustain yourself it's impossible in this age that's why now you will understand how significant is the word of sri ramakrishna kolite annagato pran that without working and just just for your sustenance you have to give your entire labor so what's the way out the bhagavad gita let me be with this life as it is taking me what's the thing seek not avoid not give your entire labor in there but at the same time be detached don't seek the result of action you may say that what about the doership that i am doing why shouldn't i accept result i am doing nothing that today we will try to come to that discussion also it's all some the plan of the there's a divine or if you say nature whatever it may be if we say that there is the is a divine who is ruling the nature and if you don't believe in divine if you say nature you have to agree that it is not you it is the nature who is doing his work and those who believe in the divine they will have to say it is the divine through the nature is doing what has to be done just say the mother's love if the mother feels it is she who is loving she is bound to suffer when the child grows and finds the child is not behaving the way the mother thought she was going to suffer but if she thinks that love is something implanted in me i cannot help myself i have to love all the mothers have to love we have been we have been created in such a way the love has been implanted the god to take care of his creation has implanted love in the mother's heart she has to love so that it is not my child that they came through the parents they are not it's just they are the channel the parents are just the channel through which they came and god has implanted love with that they have to be taken care of but at the same time as in the last class we were saying that in a mango you cannot think of watering a mango plant and getting apples there mango will yield mango as per the sanskaras of that child he is going to have his own course of life my duty was to nourish i have nourished so with this simple example we can understand that what karma yoga means that god has given me some faculties he has kept me in certain position of life with that i do my best and don't yield don't don't expect the results and that is going to create the detachment the spiritual evolution comes through that it's not the external actions what's the attitude behind the actions that speaks of the karma yoga so the next shloka this uh, the 39th shloka which we studied we were still discussing from a different perspective the next shloka is something very interesting what's the special merit of karma yoga neha 
ಅಭಿಕ್ರಮ ನಾಶ ಅಸ್ತಿ ನೇಹಾಭಿಕ್ರಮಣಶೋಸ್ತಿ ನಹ ಅಭಿಕ್ರಮ ಅಭಿಕ್ರಮ ನಾಶ ಅಸ್ತಿ ವಿ ವಿಲ್ ಟ್ರಾಕ್ ಕಮ್ ಟು ದ ಮೀನಿಂಗ್ ದಿಸ್ ಸಂಸ್ಕೃತಿ ಇಸ್ ಅ ವೆರಿ ಬ್ಯೂಟಿಫುಲ್ ಲ್ಯಾಂಗ್ವೇಜ್ ದ ವೇ ದೇ ಯೂಸ್ ದ ವರ್ಡ್ಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ ದಟ್ ಸ್ಪೀಕ್ಸ್ ದ ಎಂಟೈರ್ ಫಿಲಾಸಫಿ ಬಿಹೈಂಡ್ ಇಟ್ ನೇಹ ಅಭಿಕ್ರಮ ನಾಶ ಅಸ್ತಿ ನೇಹಾಭಿಕ್ರಮ ನಾಶೋಸ್ತಿ ಪ್ರತ್ಯವಾಯೋ ನ ವಿದ್ಯತೆ ಸ್ವಲ್ಪಂ ಅಪ್ಯಸ್ಯ ಧರ್ಮಸ್ಯ ತ್ರಾಯತೆ ಮಹತೋ ಭಯಾತ್ ವಾಟ್ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಸ್ಪೀಕಿಂಗ್ ನ ಇಹ ಅಭಿಕ್ರಮ ನಾಶ ಅಸ್ತಿ ವೆನ್ ವಿ ಆರ್ ಡೂಯಿಂಗ್ ಸಮ್ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ ಟು ಗೆಟ್ ಸಮ್ ರಿಸಲ್ಟ್ ಜಸ್ಟ್ ಟೇಕ್ ಇನ್ ದ ನಾಸಾ ದ ಸೈಂಟಿಸ್ಟ್ ಆರ್ ಸಿಟಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಡಿಸೈನ್ ಎ ರಾಕೆಟ್ now there are various stages it's not that in the day one <clears throat> they plan and the rocket is built or just say even you are about to build a house there are so many stages first you plan then you call the architect as per your plan he will prepare a blueprint then the builder comes and then gradually the materials will come the building process all the the, the process the building will start then the plumbers and electricians all will come the interior decorators will come there so there are so many stages at last when you have the building so you have followed so many stages but in the last stage when you go and somehow you find that that uh, that somehow for some reason you cannot use the building for which you were supposed to use that building so there is some difficulty with your permit then what happens the effort from day 1 to all it's all zero so abhikrama abhikrama means steps nasha means it's all annihilated what happens when i was when in the nasa the scientists or anywhere that they are preparing a spaceship from the day 1 they followed so many stages at last when the rocket was launched and immediately it was a failure then all the steps they have followed is a failure so here bhagwan is saying but karma yoga is such that all this little efforts you are taking to get established in this yoga that you are trying to uh, seek not avoid not do your actions perfectly don't seek the result now whatever may be the result if it is failure or success is it irrespective of that fact you have gained something what we have gained that's the thing we have to understand so this abhikrama nasha objectively there is a success failure if it is a failure then this abhikrama there is a nasha all the sequence i followed is of no use pratyavaya and it becomes a contrary result what's the contrary result i was supposed to be on the surface of the mars but i find that the spacecraft the spacecraft has broken and all the money is wasted and i have landed nowhere so the result is just the contrary pratyavaya means contrary results evil results follow have all the sequences gets destroyed and the consequence is something just the opposite it was supposed to so as per the objective result is concerned that happens with all the actions which meets failure but here bhagwan is saying neha abhikrama nasha asti pratyavaya na vidyate swalpam apyasya dharmasya those who try to practice even a little little that results in trayate mahato bhayat that the fear in this life of not meeting the goals which i have this fear is constantly there in our life in all our endeavors so this inescapable trauma i can get rid of it just if i change my attitude what the attitude not to be just uh, looking at the results of my actions objectively but it has to be seen subjectively how uh, that now let's just let's try to understand what bhagwan is saying here so now any action has two aspect so there is an objective aspect and the subjective aspect the results of any action what is the objective aspect it's the outcome either it is successful or it is unsuccessful there is a subjective aspect what is the subjective aspect 
whether it is successful or unsuccessful. In the process, I have gathered some experience. That's a subjective aspect. And not only that, I have developed some samskar that while doing that, that I found that my distractions have stopped. Previously, I, so many things used to lure me. When I thought that this is the project which I have to take and take care of, naturally, I found renunciation was natural. The more I focused on it, the other things has fallen off. And I've developed a good sanskar. That now I find joy in some higher pursuits. I need not have to be slave of my senses. I find joy in some higher pursuits. So you have formed some beautiful samskaras, some beautiful Latin impressions. And at the same time, you have all gathered some experience through that, whether it is a success or a failure. So that's what Bhagavan is indicating. That when you resort to karma yoga, seek not, avoid not, do with the intention of performance-based, performance-oriented, you do with total orientation is performance. I do it perfectly. In the process, you're gathering experience. And what is happening? I am developing a samskar, new samskar. I liking for that. You will find that uh, when uh, this APJ Abdul Kalam in his autobiography, The Wings of Fire, that's a book. In that he's mentioning that though his uh, project was failure for the first time, the second time, now in uh, psychology, they speak of flow psychology, but I found the word flow much earlier in APJ Abdul Kalam's writing. He told a very interesting thing that the flow was not something which to be experienced only within us individually. You can experience it as a team. Sometimes you will find when you are uh, trying to develop a project as a team, the team develops experience and not only that, in time, you find that no one has to be instructed. All are doing the things they're supposed to do and everything is getting synthesized, synchronized to create a wonderful flow where the outcome is going to be better in the next attempt. So whether it is an attempt to launch satellite, whether it is in the process of developing any vaccine or drug, everywhere you find that the failure, the people in the newspaper, the failure will be written that so much money is being wasted. That's, that's something visible. Money is wasted, effort is wasted, is visible. But what all these journals, journalists cannot see is the experience which I've gathered. <clears throat> that's not tangibly visible. The samskar is the liking for the work which I've developed. Sorry. <coughs> and that's the thing which is not going away even with this life. <coughs> Sorry. It will continue even in the next life. <coughs> That's the thing. As jokingly we used to say, a, our one of our Swami in the old age was learning to play harmonium. <coughs> and we used to joke and say, Maharaj, now you're trying to learn harmonium. When will you sing? And he used to very, we will just coolly say in the next birth. So he's learning harmonium. So it's not that in the next birth again, the moment he's born, he will learn, he will immediately play harmonium. But what will happen? This my endeavor to learn music, that every karma has two aspects. One, it creates samskara, that is the individual aspect. And there's a collective aspect. My liking for that karma will gravitate me to an environment where all my likings will get the field to develop. Even our day-to-day, -day, it, it, it doesn't need uh, some uh, your theology to understand. You know, day-to-day -day life, what happens? A student who has developed liking for studies, has developed liking, that speaks of the sanskara, that gives him good grades. And with the good grades, he gets admission in engineering college or medical college or in law somewhere. Now, it is not his karma which resulted in that huge college, university, that with that all building. It is a collective effort of the entire humankind. My action created the samskara, that's the individual aspect. 
And what is the collective aspect? That's already there. I am just simply being gravitated to that. So similar thing happens in our life. That Kshine, that uh, that uh, in Bhagavad Gita, in the sixth chapter, in the much later chapter, we will find Bhagavan says that even if you don't succeed in this birth to evolve spiritually, to reach the perfection, in the next birth you will be born in a family where you get the already the proper field to evolve further. That Sukhinam Srimatam Gehe Yoga Bhrashtobi Jayate. It will come. That in the house of the prosperous, in the house of the Sukhi, where they have that integrity to maintain the peace in the house, in such a house. There are so many houses with all your intelligence, with all your skills. Sometimes I think it is I who have achieved everything in my life. Is it the fact? The family in which I was born, isn't it a big factor? Even my father and mother was fighting, quarreling, shouting at each other. What's the environment I would have got? Would or With all my faculties, would I have ever succeeded in life? Impossible. That environment is a big factor. So I will be gravitated to that Sukhi family, where all knows how to keep that integrated integration, peace, Srimatang. There will be sufficient prosperity in that house. Because we know that uh, poverty can make can handicap us like anything, can just make us handicap in spite of all good intentions. So you will be gravitated to a situation where you find the situation is something which is favorable for the growth of all the faculties which you have grown. So now you will understand why he's saying that there is no question of this pratya, pratyavaya and avikramanasha. As per the objective aspect is concerned, yes, or all the actions which you are doing, that whenever it is unsuccessful, it is bound to have that avikramanasha. All the steps which you have followed is of no use. Again, I have to start from square zero. And the next thing is that the results which I was supposed to get, I got the contrary result. Everything was wasted. But here, the subjectively, if I'm not this uh, result-driven, result-oriented. If I am just doing it with a spirit of karma yoga, I do am gaining something. That experience, the samskaras, that will be with me and that will help me in the next birth in two ways. It will give me the favorable circumstances and another way, my progress will be much faster. That here in this life, most probably I wrote many books that doesn't mean in the next life I will be, be born with that knowledge. I can again, again, I have to start from ABCD. I can have to start from ABCD. But the process will be very fast. Why, you know, even in our, this, these things all are very interesting. Even we should try to understand in, uh, this from, uh, we'll try to relate it to our day-to-day -day life. Sometimes as parents, we think that students should always be focused. If they just go for a little relaxation, especially from the Asian background, the tiger mothers never will allow the child. No, you have to sit for study, no relaxation. But sometimes we don't understand that it harms. Some relaxation is required. Why it's required, that we will try to understand. And that has to do with this, that uh, Pratyavaya and Abhikramanasha. That subjectively it is not there, it is happening. What's happening? that learning happens through two processes. One, when I'm focused, I'm gathering information. And when I'm focused, I'm gathering information. But when you're relaxing, all those informations which you are gathered, they will be, there is an interplay of all those things going. The processing of that thing is going on. That is not your effort. That goes on when you are relaxing. And what idea will clog onto one idea to really create a tremendous leap in invention? Uh, we don't know. All the inventions happen that way. Very interesting thing you will find the Indian students, the Asian background students, they do one thing. They in, uh, this, Even in Australia, you will find in the 12th standard result, it is the Asian students who are really excelling. But if you go to the university, you will find it's the so-called from the Western background. They start really excelling. They just try to start beating the Indian students or the Asian students. 
Why it happens, you know? So for till class 12, the rotting is important. I've done that, but I've never given importance to that processing. The so-called from the Western background, he was relaxing. <clears throat> so in the 12th standard examination, we find that most probably has not done that well. The grades are a bit low. But when the question of inventing something comes, that processing factor, which we have never taken care of, that, that is a very important aspect, which we have not grown. That comes through that relaxation. And then the processing helps us. Just you'll find in dream what happens, just how that processing happens is very interesting. Most of the processing is useless. Most of them are waste. But out of that, when you allow that waste, one or two accidentally can be wonderful. Just what happens uh, when in the dream suddenly I see a golden mountain. And I know it's a dream, it is useless. What has happened? I have the idea of gold. I have the idea of mountain. In the dream, when my conscious mind is sleeping, unconscious mind is active. The restless child, all are mixing with each other. The teacher has gone out of the class. All the students are jumping, frolicking. That's what is my sleep state. Then dream state, and the waking state, I am sitting, the teacher is there. So it is taking care of all the subconscious ideas. They, are, they don't allow them. So he's there. The conscious mind is controlling that. When, the con when I'm in sleep state, when I'm dreaming, it's not that the entire mind is inactive. It is only the conscious mind which is sleeping. Now the unconscious mind, like all those restless children, starts just intermingling with each other. Most of them are west, like the golden mountain. It has no meaning. I saw a golden mountain, what it has to do. But most of the discoveries happened in the relaxed state. Out of all those useless mixing up, some mixing up can speak of a leap in our invention. And that has happened in the entire world of science. You will find that's how all the discoveries happen. All the discoveries, not that just by uh, mathematical calculation, I reached to some conclusion. First, somehow some idea came. Later, I tried to, with my mathematical calculation, tried to prove that. But, but it never happened. Just I uh, aimlessly was going on with some calculation and some conclusion came. It never happens. Somehow, that I, some idea comes and then to prove it, the calculations comes later. So all the inventions happens through that leap of imagination. So why we are saying here that when I die, I take birth, I have to start from ABCD. That's okay, that's the, that's the part of the, my conscious mind. But in the unconscious mind, the, when I'm learning ABCD, all those unconscious ideas are already there. They start intermingling. But I have a tremendous fund of that because in the previous birth, I was uh, in that field. So now they start intermingling at a very fast pace. If you study neurology, they will know that then the child, the mind, the wiring, the, un, the uh, what you say this, the wiring, it's constant is going on, unwiring and wiring. It happens at a tremendous fast pace. And all the prodigies are the one in which this, this wiring and the unwiring of the mind is having at a tremendous pace and pacing up their learning. So you're born in an environment where you get the favorable field. And not only that, your enhancement is a tremendous, uh, in tremendous fast step, you repeat all the steps to get again, uh, established in the knowledge from where you started. It's just like the booting up of your computer. When I come on the computer, it's not like the switching on of the lamp when I, or a, a light. When I switch on the light, it immediately gets lighted. When I'm booting up the computer, what happens? There are so many uh, softwares and programs I have uploaded in it. One software will be booting up, will be kicking the other one, that will be kicking the other one. And at last the entire computer is now active. So when we are from one birth to the next birth, when we go, it is just like the booting up of the computer, the learning process happens. So what is already installed in you, that speaks of your learning. If you have nothing, that fund is less, you cannot really go for uh, that. You cannot immediately think that you will be a genius. So what all I have gathered. So now you will find the subjective aspect is very important in all our actions. So if I just change my attitude, whatever may be the result, why not take care of this subjective aspect? That I am fortunate enough to be in this situation. I have got some opportunity. Let me use, I use all my faculties and try to develop it. 
whatever may be the result. If it's a failure, know it for certain, you have enriched yourself. And that's how you'll find that Bhagavan is assuring the fact that karma yoga is something where there is no question of abhikramanasha, there is no question of pratyavaya, even with a little practice, you can get rid of the great fear of destruction because actually you're evolving at each and every step irrespective of the failure, you are evolving. There is no question of destruction because the samskara which you have developed that can never be destroyed. That is always going to be with you. That the new samskaras, the wired up, that, that all the samskaras are like wiring up of the mind. That how it develops, the common example which we give, that all the things which we like, how this liking has come. It is out of necessity when I do anything again and again, then it creates a path in my mind. And once the path is created, you forget the necessity. Just to do that becomes your liking. In our day-to-day life, it has happened again and again. Just take our predecessors. That they used to go to the forest to collect, this collect root, fruit, herb. They never knew cultivation. Now there was a big challenge for them. That what is nourishing and what is toxic. In short time, they find out, found out anything in nature which is sweet is never poison. The other tests, there's a doubt. It may be poison, it may be nourishing, a sour may be poison, may be nourishing. But if it is a sweet thing, invariably it is going to nourish you. You don't uh, ever just be uh, scared of that it, it is going to kill you. It's toxic. So out of necessity, they were in search of sweet roots, sweet herbs, sweet fruits. It was of necessity. And as they were repeating it, this eating sweet roots, sweet herbs, sweet fruits, the question of test came later. Once the path has been created, now they started liking it. And that liking has went to such an extent that the most flourishing nations in the world are the highest sugar intakers. In your Coke, in your cake, uh, sometimes uh, the sugar is even hidden. The taste, it doesn't taste like, I have found that uh, many will be scared of the Indian sweets. That's very sweet. But I, if you just see the, uh, the, uh, the contents, you will find in chocolate or in some cake, which doesn't taste that sweet, the sugar is much higher than the Indian sweet because they add salt to hide the taste of sugar and it gives a different type of taste. So the hidden sugar, so, so much of sugar intake. Why? Because all this food manufacturing industry knows somehow if you add sugar, people will buy, it will sell. So what has happened? All the lifestyle disease, your obesity, pressure, sugar, everything is related to that. How it has happened? The necessity has got converted into obsession and the obsession now is doing just the contrary. Instead of nourishing me, it is destroying me. So all our likings that way is taking us spirally downwards. That Swami Ramakrishna used to say, Kamini Kanchan Maya, the lust and gold is Maya. You will find all the crime at last ends up in these two. That why that there is a liking, that what that the lust is there, it's also out of necessity. Just to continue, for the life to continue, it has to procreate. That necessity has become an obsession. It's a necessity, but in the process of pursuing it again and again, again and again, again, it has become an obsession. To sustain myself, I need wealth, gold, so lust and gold. So necessity, it has become obsession. Now, all the scandals, all the big financial scandals, all the big, uh, what do you say that, sensual scandals, that's what all the crime is. You open the newspaper, is there a single crime it's a single scandal which doesn't speak of Kamini Kanchan. What has happened again? The necessity has become an obsession. So Bhagavan is here when he's saying Trayate Mahato Bhayat. He's actually, what he's saying, that what has taken you spirally downwards, the necessity by becoming obsession has taken you spirally downwards. But you need not follow the default mode. You design, you use the mind. You know the mind has that drawback. Today's necessity will become obsession. So use that drawback to take you spirally upwards. It takes you downwards. Wow. 
that develop a liking for nishkama karma develop a liking you are designing your mind that this is not there because in the entire process of evolution i was doing for some selfish end come out of that try to do repeatedly try to do repeatedly that's aruruksha that though my entire body is revolting no i won't i will give the collective uh, interest more importance than my own subjective uh, than my own selfish interest let me be uh, what you say that uh, nishkama i don't i don't i am not in pursuit of the result i do my work perfectly and there it ends let this become your repetitive effort this also is going to become an obsession that's the process of the mind but this obsession will take you spirally upwards the all other obsessions has taken you spirally downwards now you will understand that why it is being mentioned trayate mahato bhayat it is going to save you from destruction because it will take you spirally upwards to spiritual illumination so that's the catch of this praise trayate mahato bhayat even a little practice that sanskara this sanskara will take you spirally upwards not like the others which is going to destroy you so with this we stop our discussion today we will let's take up the next sloka again in the next class thank you all namaskar